0: Hello and welcome to another segment of controversial conversations brought to you by Montana's Peer Network. My name is Amanda Walton. I am a peer service coordinator. Today I am joined by.
1: Hey, my name is Brent Morris. I'm also a peer peer service coordinator here at Montana's Peer Network.
0: Today's topic is drug decriminalization. The views expressed today do not represent Montana's peer network, MPN staff, or affiliates. The purpose of this and all controversial conversation segments is to facilitate thought, conversation, and healthy discussion of controversial topics that may impact behavioral health workers, consumers, and the recovery movement in general. So with that, let's go ahead and just jump right on in Brent what what are your thoughts surrounding drug decriminalization?
1: So one of the first points I feel there's not the point of being against the law. Those that aren't already users or have used it'll encourage some people experimenting, more curiosity. and then some people with pre-existing health issues might not even understand what the drugs to do beyond the addiction just you know some of the effects of the substance that's one of the concerns I have
0: so for me I'm going to give some information in in contrast to that and I I can understand that that thought process but you know my thinking goes back to how drug use and our drug problem has only increased right so the laws that are Currently in place are obviously not preventing anything. Drug-related offenses in the US are at an all-time high, so higher than they have ever been before. And, you know, also the thought, the mindset and thought process that if drugs weren't forbidden, there would not be such a high underground market for them. So we've created our own need for, for the underground market world by, by criminalizing a personal choice. So you know the belief that criminalizing a behavior will eliminate a problem is a culturally and societally conditioned perspective that may not be as accurate as we hoped it would be, right? What happens when, when we are youth and we're told repeatedly not to do something? Often out of a natu- that natural curiosity that you were talking about, Brent, the forbidden behaviors, the stuff that we're told is taboo, no, you can't do it, Often, often, we secretly seek them out, and that results in us developing unhealthy behaviors, such as addiction and various other unhealthy behaviors that, that perpetuate and, and are demonstrated as adult, in, in adulthood. To me, this is a public health and education problem, not a criminal problem.
1: Well, I see, you know, us not doing it out of spite because it's a taboo. Less of us may try it, Right.
0: Right if it's not a, a such a stigmatizing taboo experience or choice then there's there's that risk taking behavior that often starts developing in in our teenage years that that won't necessarily seek that out as much because it's not something that you know it's something that everybody's dealing with people are going to public health facilities and harm reduction programs to work towards fixing the problem. And, and it's, it, it becomes a societally accepted, a culturally accepted experience and part of life instead of something that we reject and push away and punish and criminalize. Does that make sense?
1: Well, and that's, I, I, I see your point. You know, it, it kind of supports my, my first comment too. So by not having it wrong, and not having it a punishable crime, then there'll be that that much more people trying it to where before it was a crime and there were still people using it, still people, you know, illegally using it. But now it'll be how many times that number because of it's okay. And something else I want to bring up too, you mentioned the market. You know, when it is decriminalized the use the demand will increase also because there will be more people trying it but then the price will probably go down because it will create or create a, a business so when the price goes down again those that were holding back because of it was a crime and the cost was higher you know i my concern is there'll be that much that many more people trying it and you know the experimentation is one thing but some of the drugs that are are is looking at decriminalizing the the meth and heroin i don't know process or time is so short you know one time or two times that they're addicted so that's why i'm concerned just that um, example the not a crime the lower cost will lead to more people becoming addicts
0: that is actually a very conventional perspective. It's, it's viewed as a problem. So let's, let's criminalize the problem. Let's create additional social unrest. Let's create more barriers. Let's create more stigma, internalized and social. Let's create situations where parents are torn apart from their families instead of facilitating, keeping them together and promoting healing by rejecting the very behavior that we do not understand it and we're afraid of, right? And, and that's what's happened. The, since, since the drug war began in the, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, we have seen nothing but profound increase. The levels of people incarcerated in our jails and prisons, federal, state, and local, is over 50% of our prison population. Those are people who could be typically uh, productive parents and uh, out in the society helping our culture you know, helping our economy, helping their children. And yes, while I understand that it is a behavior that can result in in other choices that are uh, criminal in nature, should it not be those behaviors that are addressed from a criminal perspective while the drug use is addressed from a public health perspective? And people are able to receive treatment you know like i said previously to me it is very much a public health and education problem that we have decriminalized and our thought process we we seem to not be able to wrap our minds around even though so for every action every force every for everything that happens there is an equal and opposite reaction and the statistics show that as we criminalize more and more and we try to come down harder more and more on this specific thing, the numbers are getting proportionately higher. So what about if we, what, what would happen if we take Newton's third law of motion, what I just mentioned, right? That's a physics concept, but it's concept in reality too. It's about energy, right? That for every action, for every rule, there is an opposite, an equal reaction. So if if we move towards accepting rather than rejecting substance use as a natural part of life and life experience, no, not everybody is going to to use it, but, or to use substances of any kind, but I can guarantee you that each of us is impacted at some point in our lives by substances If we accept it rather than reject it we're able to work through it and move past it then rather than becoming imprisoned by this ongoing social cultural massive concern you know there's a reason why the us is the most highly incarcerated nation in the world having more numbers of people in jail and prisons specifically related to drug abuse than any other country, and we are not the most populated country, right?
1: Well, that brings up a great point, and you mentioned that, you know, prisons and different things and, that, you know, the country of our, our side of the country and stuff, and the rate of people imprisoned, that's hard to fight, you know? So if we were saving money in the jails and prisons and through the criminal courts, but then um, having through public health and not as a stigma as stigmatizing asking for help as before, what's going to happen to the counseling, therapy, and treatment for addiction? Will our infrastructure be ready for that? How will the cost, and this is a question, how will the increase in cost in treatment and therapy and counseling, but up against the money saved from the uh, courts and prisons and jails?
0: Right. So. There are millions of dollars spent every year on incarcerating or on incarceration, right? So, so in diverting those millions of dollars in each state, possibly billions on a federal level, saved by low, having lower incarceration levels, so less people incarcerated, and draw from the revenue generated by legal drug sales. So, for instance, Oregon, Colorado, now even in Montana, you know we have an opportunity to, to have revenue um, from the marijuana legal sale of marijuana for recreational use, right? And <clears throat> those those funds, that revenue, can be used to fund public health efforts and initiatives, harm reduction programs, etc., that. Will actually be beneficial to our communities, our homes, our our people that are struggling with substance use and mental health, right?
1: So you feel the money, the money saved through the courts and prisons and jails, and uh, if it is taxed or cost per sale, you feel that the need for public health will be less. So in turn, it'll save money in the long Absolutely. run.
0: Absolutely i believe it will absolutely save money in the long run and we'll actually start seeing people recover we'll see people healing from from the things that have held them back because when we criminalize we keep people stuck in that cycle because they feel like they're a failure they are judged they're not able to get as good of jobs they're not able to go to school and and it's not necessarily something that should be a criminalized behavior right it, it's more of a moral choice and a health impacting choice. And while when in excess, it can cause the onset of other health issues, drug-related spread of illness, involvement with law enforcement for other reasons, we we can treat it like it's a public health problem and work together as a culture to help alleviate that problem instead of oh, you better not ever do this because if you do this and you're going to go to jail and the rest of your life is going to be ruined because even when you're out on probation, if you have one dirty UA, then you're in violation and you're going to go right back. It just keeps taking people out of the communities and out of the culture and keeps rejecting over and over and over and over and over again. It's a process that is destructive. And I think we're seeing that in our culture. And if something hasn't been working, then maybe we need to Think outside of the box and implement some non conventional approaches. You know, so with that, I'm actually going to bring up Portugal. Um, Portugal used to have the highest per capita rates of substance use, drug addiction, overdose related deaths, as well as drug related spread of illness such as HIV and hepatitis C. And they used to follow the same mindset they criminalized, right? And in, goodness, about 10 years ago, they started changing the way that they approached it. Right now, there's a handful of countries, uh, Portugal is one of them. So there's Portugal, Chechia, the Netherlands and Switzerland. Um, they have decriminalized drug use and personal use possession. So, you know, I'm not talking about decriminalizing. If you have somebody that comes in with a whole bunch of drugs that they're obvious, obviously going to distribute. but Majority of people who are incarcerated for drugs are incarcerated for personal possession, right? And when that when that is decriminalized, we're saying, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna make your life worse because this is your current experience. We're gonna we're gonna educate. We're gonna facilitate harm um, reduction places where you can go to exchange if you if, if somebody is an IV user, get clean materials and and, and eliminate the, the dirty ones that are currently being housed in homes and trash cans and up in shelves. You know, that's where the real harm lies too. with with the drugs is is it's, it's just people don't want to go to places where there might be harm reduction available because for instance, they have picketers outside reminding them how bad they are. They go in if they're currently under the influence, They law enforcement could be called and they could be taken away. You know, there's, there's, it, it's the perception.
1: Well, that's, you, you touched on some things just in this last couple sentences, you know, with the, this safe um, administration, you know, through people's different things, but if a portion of the people using do not go to the safe center or safe places. And then there's going to be needles on the ground, needles in a park, in a playground, or somewhere unexpected for someone to be cleaned up or watched and a, a child is injured. There's other things. And then like alcohol, driving under the substance, under the influence, people will use can either leave a safe center or a safe place and then drive.
0: So to me, this, it, this goes back to the whole social, the cultural perception, right? So safe centers, we're talking about harm reduction programs, the places where people go to get help to, to, to maintain safety that are actually surrounded by picketers and rioters and, and all kinds of signs against drugs, reminding them of how bad they are. How much of a failure they are for using in the first place? Those are the places we're talking about, right? So of course people are going to choose to use in private and typically unsafe locations, surrounded by like-minded individuals, because that's exactly where they feel like they're accepted. That's where the, that that population is, where they feel, you know, what they're not going to you they're not going to they're not going to judge me for my use because they're just like me, right? And, and the reality is we all have vices. We all have things that we can recover from. So we all have things that we need to overcome and rise above so that we can move forward in our lives, right? Um, the presence of these, these safe centers where people uh, can go and can choose to exchange and dispose of used drug, drug paraphernalia, it is more people. it is more safe than people using in the streets, right? But until the social stigma and the judgmental perspective that is common in our culture is eliminated and, and changed, they won't be utilized. At least not to, not to the extent that that our goal is to have them utilized, right? Nobody wants to go in for help and end up being arrested. Nobody wants to go in for help and end up being judged when they're standing outside the building. It's the approach.
1: So you don't have any fear of your children being in disease or anything?
0: I have more fear of my children getting, becoming involved now and hiding it because they're afraid of judgment and retribution and being rejected because that's when that unsafe behavior happens.
1: This example, alcohol for many years, marijuana is moving across the nation, recreationally uh, legalized. In Montana, it'll start sale in, I uh, believe, January 22. You know, but some of the drugs are looking at decriminalizing heroin, meth. Some of the behaviors are extreme. Do you have any fear of safety to our community members?
0: I don't have any more fear than I do right now. I can tell you as somebody who has been involved in the justice system because of substances, that whenever I was in a space and a place where I could get the help that I needed without being judged, because that is the biggest obstacle for anyone that is leaving the criminal justice system, how they can maintain on the outside without going back to the same populations and the same experiences that they were involved in before, because that's the population that they know and that's where they're accepted. They face judgment during job interviews, people face, judgment with various members of the population, you know, just the communities in general, right? It is a cultural perception that people are inherently bad. And once you use a substance, you're always gonna use a substance, but it's not like that. It's not like that for people who are overweight because of the chemicals that are in our food and they have reactions to that, or they have mental health problems that that they are struggling to cope with. So ineffective coping mechanisms, right? Um, that, that cause them to, that they use anyways, they believe or they believe are a reason for them to, to overeat. Uh, then there's the opposite end of that spectrum. People who make themselves throw up um, to, to void of any food that they have eaten because of, of addictions to uh, those kinds of behaviors. Something makes them feel better and so they do it. You know, We don't incarcerate people for self-harm, for hurting. And, and it's the same kind of concept they use these behaviors, these behaviors manifest because of what's going on underneath, right? We are not going to criminalize a, a person who is obese because they can't stop eating a bag of potato chips. We're not going to make it a, a criminal behavior to buy certain foods that contribute to that. Well, that's exactly what's happened here, just on a different perspective. We see it differently and we say, oh, well, it's a moral behavior. Um, drug use is immoral. Well, that is even subjective. Drug use is a reality. And if we accept that it is a reality and we work towards changing that, you know, in recovery, we have to accept those parts and things about us that we dislike the most because it's when it's it's in the throes of our 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 deepest struggles that when we reject ourselves, we reject any part of ourselves, we stay stuck in that cycle. And part of the reason why we stay stuck in that cycle and reject our, our the very fiber of who we are because we feel judged because of our choices. We feel judged by other people all the time. We are told from a very young age, this is right, this is wrong. This is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. And I'm not, I'm not supportive of just like a free for all world where you do what you wanna do as long as it doesn't impact me, we're fine. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, criminal behavior that often is a result. So I'm gonna go back to the statement that if it gets to that point, Yes, yeah, You're going to suffer the consequences for going and robbing somebody. You're going to suffer the consequences you're going to experience. I don't even like the word suffer. You're going to experience the consequences and live through the consequences of whatever your, your, your action is, but you're also going to have the opportunity to address the behavior, address the thoughts, address the perception, the perspective that is facilitating the presentation of those behaviors because the behaviors are the symptoms, right? As long as we keep addressing the symptom, we criminalize the symptom, we are going to continue on the same path that we're on and it's not been effective in solving any problems.
1: Well, one of my last fears is, and you may not be a fear, it's probably when visiting with you, it's more of a want You mentioned revenue from the sales, less stress on law enforcement and the courts, that type of thing. So this could move toward legalized drugs, not decriminalized, legalized. And again, this movement, I believe the next step after decriminalization, legalizing will really open the door to more and more curiosity people trying it but then this type of substance is so much more addictive and the different um effects on people i just it really scares me you know what can happen to our society with having you know the first step of not a crime decriminalizing and then could possibly lead to legalization, you know, uh, cities, counties, states seeing a possibility for revenue, you know, just a a thing I'm cautious of.
0: And I mentioned this earlier, I'm gonna go back to it, Portugal, they they had the highest levels per capita of drug use, overdose, uh, drug-related illness, the experience of it and the spread. HIV, Hep C specifically, right? Within five years of of changing their perspective and they decriminalized, they are now the lowest per capita, right? The lowest levels in the world. They went from the highest to the lowest. To me, this is in support of the physics idea, the physics theory that states for every action or force in nature, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So this is the equal and opposite reaction, right? This is through acceptance and providing support and education on healthier behaviors and healthier living and support through our struggles rather than rejecting and pushing away and criminalizing, and keeping it under, you know, that's, you don't, you don't talk about that in public, you don't talk about that, you don't go and seek help for that, you, you just, you're a criminal, you, you, use you're a bad person, no matter what it is you're using, right, it's that perception, it's that public perspective, and when other countries, Portugal's not the only one, and you know what, Oregon, the state or of Oregon, in the United States, February 1st, they're Uh, measure 110, I believe it's what it's called. Um, They decriminalize drugs for personal possession and, and personal use, right? So they are already in just a matter of months seeing positive results, less drug overdoses, less involvement with with child and family services for children being taken out of homes. Families are standing together, they're seeking the help. They're using the revenue that that would have been diverted over to the jail system and and the revenue generated by marijuana sales, legal marijuana sales, to implement and fund and support these programs. that, That the very goal, the very idea is let's heal together instead of continuing to separate and judge and label because we've been doing that for decades and it's not working. They're, in just a couple of months, it, they're seeing positive improvement. To me, that speaks volumes.
1: Well, thank you for this talk today. You and I both have our, our different opinions and dealing with the changes that'll happen which there already be changes in our country in our state, in our counties, in our towns and cities, we will um, work together with these changes, and we will support um, our peers. Our communities will deal with these step by, you know, individually how how things take place within each community.
0: Absolutely.
1: So this has been a great talk. I thank you for this today, Amanda.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Brent. And and once again, I just want to remind our listeners uh, that that the views expressed here don't necessarily represent the views of of Brent and I specifically. Uh, They definitely are not official views of Montana's Peer Network, other Montana Peer Network staff or affiliates. We, We are providing these controversial conversations to facilitate thought and healthy discussion on these topics as we are in a very transformational phase in our world, you know, in our culture, in our society, things are changing and there is some fear behind a lot of it, but, you know, to me, it's exciting to see, it's exciting the possibilities that could be there, you know, regardless of what we're talking about. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you Brent for for having this conversation with me.
1: Yes. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you everyone.